Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization. They can help you plan for your family's future. Give Hector a call. He'll make it happen for you. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, Greening Law brings you us. Greening Law, of course, will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment, and trust me, we have all been waiting for this today. That moment has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version, 100 plus Jason Witten. That's right, 182. (laughs) Asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. As we are, because Jacques is in Atlanta... And I am in Birmingham, and many of you are in Dallas. What a wonderful world technology is. Hell yeah. So we'll get into that, and we'll get into all your reasonings of being in Atlanta and hanging out with your BFF. Some of you may know him as Dion Sanders, <laughs> which is actually kind of badass because Jacques was with Dion on the first day of the early signing period day for National Signing Day when they pulled one of the most in the recruiting world, something that's never been done before. Dion did it. So we'll definitely get into that. We've also got Ed Warder coming up. We'll have Clarence Hill Jr. from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram be jumping on with us. But before we get on to all that and taking a look at the Cowboys and the Giants this weekend at MetLife, Hector Flores, he is your man. If you are somebody who struggles with the ability to save, Hector would tell you, you need to save 10% of each of your paycheck. Just put it away. And then once you get an emergency fund established, then you start figuring out, okay, how do I want to use this money? It's your money. You're basically paying yourself so that your future self can be taken care of. Your future family, as as you guys age and things happen in life, you're setting it up now so that you will have a future that you want. I think the biggest thing that he pushes, man, is two things. Use time as your biggest benefactor and then have a plan because time means you don't have to save as much because you've given yourself so long to save. You know, if you're 25 or 30, you start now. You can have bundles by the time you're 60, 65, and then have a plan. And it doesn't matter whether you want to be aggressive, conservative, something in between. Just have a plan for making it happen and making it do what it do. Hector can create that and provide that and make life easy for you because all you got to do is follow it. 
That's exactly right. It's easy to get in touch with them, and it is a non-fee-based deal, so it costs absolutely nothing to sit down and meet with Hector. Give him a call now. Let him work out that path with proven strategies that work for you and your family. 940-453-3490. It's Hector Flores, 940-453-3490. Also, of course, as always, the attorneys Robert Greening and his green team at Greening Law If you've been hurt in a car accident like I was, if you've experienced malpractice, injured on the premises of a business, they have represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries, man, and they know how to do this. They take care of that legal battle. They are your legal competitor against the insurance companies. Why? So you can do what I've been doing for the past five months, trying to figure out how in the world, if possible, you can get your back back to the way it was supposed to be. I'm not laughing, man. I'm laughing because the thing about the green team, man, is it don't take nothing to pick up the phone and let them hear about your problems, man. And, and here's your situation. They take you on as a client. Boom, boom. It's money in the bank. And here's what I mean. They don't get paid unless you get paid. They're always working for you. You don't have to worry about their grinding. They answer questions that you don't even know should be asked. They tell you answers to questions that you don't even know should be asked. That's why they do such good work. And that's why the green team is the green team. Indeed they are, man. It costs absolutely nothing to make that call. Have that consultation. If you think you've got a case, give them a call and find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So here we go, my friend. It is a noon kick. It is Sunday afternoon football. It is the Dallas Cowboys and the New York football giants. The Giants who fired Jason Garrett already this season, the Giants who are four and nine, the Giants who have lost three out of their last four, they come in on a two-game losing streak having lost to the Dolphins and the Chargers. This is a Giants team that is not good, has not scored 30 points in any of their games yet this season, and in their last four games have scored 10, 13, 9, and 21. This is a game the Dallas Cowboys should win the question is not should they win it the question is should they beat their ass and blow them out that's really the question if you're ever going to get right this is a team to get right against they have waved the white flag the season's over they are done they got nothing to play for the home fans are looking for reason to boo them it's christmas time they're worried about shopping and this and vacations in january hey have you got the the uh the tickets to turk and keiko settled yet this is the time tap that ass whoa they do oh i'm sorry but it is bro i mean we all have that time (laughs) it is and uh there's no better time now um i think in the paper that would be the paper of record in dallas the dallas morning news i predicted 31 13 uh because i don't see the giants scoring a lot of points against this cowboys defense and and the offense needs to get right bro yeah and and again this is a team that the cowboys have already beaten this year they beat them 44 to 20 the first time they played It was an absolute mauling. The Cowboys put up 500 yards of offense on them and had absolutely no problems moving the ball in the air or on the ground. That should be the repeat type thing. And as you just talked about, this is a defense that takes the ball away. They had two takeaways the first time. This gives the offense and Dak an opportunity to get things right. And I'm right there with you. Now, I'm not as bold to go 31 because I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last week where they're able to do some things. I have the Cowboys winning this game 27 to 10. 
So we have like similar, like, I guess, what am I thinking of? Similar margins of victory. I, I just, until this Cowboy, and I, I would love this offense to go out and do what they did the first time or prove me wrong. I just haven't seen enough in the last few games to think that this team's going to score 30 until they prove me wrong. Well, see, I was throwing in, you know, like a defensive touchdown, a, a defensive helper where it's, you know, inside the 10 or something. That's why I was getting my 30. But, mm-hmm. you know, I still think they'll get the 30. Now, they should, bro. Otherwise, you know, they got problems. Well, and, you know, now that I look at it, I wouldn't even think in, but you're probably right because they scored 33 against the Raiders. In the last two weeks, they've scored 27 and 27. Now, granted, they haven't necessarily had all that from the offense, but I have a really hard time believing the Cowboys scored 27 points three weeks in a row. Uh, they, sh- they should really score more because the defense will set up a couple, and if the offense does what it should, they should get into the 30s. But the offense has been struggling, so we can't count it. But this is all, I mean, we're all talking about how bad are they going to beat the Giants, which means anything less than that is going to be a disappointment, man, because you're getting to the time of the season where you need to show something in terms of can you really perform in the playoffs and can you take it up as a team in the playoffs and get to where, you know, we'd all like to see this team go, which is the NFC Championship game, man, because that's the only way you can get to the Super Bowl. It really is. I, I feel like if they don't get to the NFC title game, anything else is disappointing. Oh, I think it is because it means despite the great defense, despite the great start, despite the great offense at the start, they did what they always do. Yeah, you're the, you're the same damn thing. We are, you are what we thought you were, and you got to show us that you're not. The more, I've been thinking about that recently. I thought, you know, because they're, they're going to the playoffs, and they're right. going to have a home playoff game. You should win your home playoff game. Now, granted, it is the playoffs, so who knows, but then the problem becomes, okay, cool, you won a playoff game, now what? Now you have to prove you can do two playoff games. You can go on the playoffs on the road and win. And tell me, if they get to the NFC Championship game this year and lose, then I think that changes a lot of the beliefs around this area, around around Cowboy Nation and the people that follow this team, that they can get it done. Because if you can get to the Final Four, you're, I mean, come on, you're one game away from a Super Bowl trip. I think what we're talking about, man, and I, I've said this anyway, they need to do it this year. Because yeah. to me, this your point now. To me, this is the best team that they're going to have in the next two or three years. And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, just think they can't pay everybody. Somebody's going to leave, you know, and their replacement is likely not going to be as good as this. Um, you know, guys are going to get paid. So to me, this is the best team that they can put together for the next two or three years, and they need to take advantage of it by making a deep run. Yeah, and they've got to get things right. If they could get some momentum here against the Giants and get the offense back to what we've, we've seen before at points in this season, then you got another one against Washington, and, and you can start getting some momentum going for the last couple of games against Arizona and Philadelphia. This is what you want. This is when you wanted this team to peak is right now in these final few games of the season to figure these things out and to get on a roll and – Fortunately for them, you've got a couple of teams coming up that are going to offer you that opportunity. I mean, the Giants should just kind of roll over and die. They really should. And if they do that, then you should be able to take advantage of that to get some things clicking and hopefully to get on the same page and do some things offensively that we just have not seen this team do in over a month. Well, it's consistency, man. They haven't had consistency. They have good moments. They have bad moments. They just haven't been consistent and the other thing that's missing, and you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it, is the big plays are missing. 
they haven't had the big plays. And when you don't have the big plays, it's hard to score. Simple as that. It's not real complicated. When you don't have big plays, it's hard to score. Yeah, and hopefully we will see Tony Pollard this week. Getting him back, I imagine, will help a little bit. Zeke is what Zeke is at this point. He's obviously hurt. He's injured. He's been wearing that brace. He said something today that I I was trying to find it on Twitter, his exact quote, because the way he worded it, I thought was fascinating because it really made it seem like if I don't have the brace on it, I don't have confidence that my knee is going to hold up. It was something weird the way he said that, and I was like, man, that is a guy who they, they can say what they want, but that is a dude who's got a legit injury. And I said this before, I wonder if this is just one of those things where when is the day after the Cowboys season ends, we find out Zeke is scheduled for offseason knee surgery. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that that's the case. I don't think there's any doubt about that at all. I think what he's talking about is the knee gives him stability because if you don't if you've if you've done something to a ligament your knee is unstable yeah. which yep. means when you feel like you're making those cuts you feel like this it's like it's, it's almost like you're gonna fall so it's the stability that the that the brace provides yeah and that's that's basically what he was saying i was trying to figure out who it was that had that exact quote but it was something like that and that's my my first immediate thought there it is so it was archer that had the tweet he says He will continue to wear a right knee brace. Here's the quote from Zeke. It just kind of holds me in place. A lot of times when I'm getting gimpy or I get banged up is when I kind of get rolled up on or just land on my knee. I think the brace gives me more stability. And that's what you were just talking about. And when he said that, I was like, okay, that is Zeke telling me something is torn in that knee where he feels like without the brace, he doesn't have the knee stay because my knee feels like that. And I, I, I've had knee problems in the past. And man, it, that's how you describe it when you have an injury in your knee, because no matter what you do, unless you have a brace on, you do not trust that your knee is going to stay there. It's a weird mental thing. Oh, no, I believe it. It's about having confidence in that part of your body, man, and believing in it and trusting it. And think about it man, as a running back, making those jump cuts, making yeah. those cuts, making those moves. It's all about confidence in your body. And do you have it or not? I mean, you can see when he runs. Anytime he gets clear, I mean, he's, he's been doing a lot of nasty inside yardage lately where he, it, it's hard to see him because it's like a three- or a four-yard carry. But there's been a couple of times in each of the last couple of weeks where he gets an eight- or a ten-yarder, and he heads to the sideline. And you, just the way he looks when he runs looks like a dude who's got something clicking or feeling weird in his knee. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, even he had a nice run the other day, and he ran off the side. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. And he looked gimpy I mean, as hell doing it. I mean, it's incredible no. he's out there giving this kind of, a, of an effort. But, you know, Zeke is what he is. If they're going to get that explosion in the run game, it's going to have to come from Pollard like we saw with that 58-yard that he had whenever that was a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know what, bro? That's why you've seen CeeDee Lamb in the backfield. <laughs> That's a good Tr- point. Trying to get some explosion. Trying to get some some acceleration because Zeke would love to give it to you, but he ain't got it right now. Yeah, it's just not there. It's physically impossible for him to do that. So we'll see. I, I think that there's a chance the offense gets clicking again. I'm not going to, I'm going to readjust my score because I'm not going to go 27 points three weeks in a row. I forgot they scored 27 and I don't want to steal your score. So you know what? Screw it. 34 to 10 Cowboys. All right. I'll throw, I ain't mad at you, I'll throw on an extra touchdown. This is a really bad Giants team. I mean, they're really, really bad. And you're right talking about how the defense, this is a type of game where the defense does get another touchdown somehow because somebody, they're going to throw a couple of picks. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be able to move the ball. Their offensive line is horrible. Saquon Barkley is a bust. And the Cowboys will completely control this game. 
you know what's what's interesting about that is and everybody's starting to jump on this this train now and it's okay like I really want to see the defense smother them more than I want to see the offense put up 400 points. <laughs> so do I. Like, instead of 34 to 10, what if it was 24 to 0? That'd be even great. But it, it needs to be 24 to 0 with, like, three turnovers, seven sacks. It'd be bad. Like but that. they might do that. They might. They're playing good, man. I mean, they legit might do that. This defense is feeling it, man. And, you know, I think Daniel Jones is supposed to be back this week. But no, it was, I don't think so. I okay. think it's Mike Glenn. I, I, I was trying to see if he, had, they, if he had been in practice at all. But if it's Mike Glennon again, you know, and Saquon Barkley didn't practice today. Now, granted, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens. Or wait, today's Thursday. God, what are we doing? Oh, we're recording this on a Thursday. I apologize. My brain is all fried. But I was trying to look and see at the injury report today to see what the actual report was. I was looking at the wrong day. Saquon was limited today. And Daniel Jones was day. limited today as well. So I don't know what that means. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play. But if it's Mike Glennon and Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley is the running back. We talk about this with quarterbacks a lot. Like it depends on where the quarterback gets drafted. If Saquon Barkley had gone somewhere else, maybe he would have turned into a stud. Uh, I will disagree. I would say if Saquon, I, would, I call Saquon Barkley the Sean Lee of running backs. Like this is always hurt. He's, like all, he's literally always hurt, man. Yeah. Ain't nobody's fault. It's not from a lack of effort and all this other stuff. He's just literally always hurt. Saquon Barkley this year in his games, he's played nine of the Giants games. He is averaging 42 yards a game. 42. That's because he's always hurt. That's I mean, how nothing. many games has he played? He's played nine. He's played nine of the games, and yeah, he missed a chunk of time. About He missed about, what was it, five games, I think it was, four games earlier. He's been back. Since he's come back, he's played in their last four games, 25, 40, 55, 64. So he's, he's incrementally going the right way, but he still is not accomplishing anything and has been very easy. But the Giants often, they don't have a pass game, and their offensive line is horrible. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a lot of it's a lot of moving parts to that thing. Bottom line is, uh, between his injuries and their overall lack of success, it's just not a good fit. Because remember when they drafted him, they had Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. Um, they had you know the wide receiver yeah. from Oklahoma. They had like okay, we looked. They had the tight end that they thought was going to be somebody. So they had what they thought was if we had this elite running back to what we got, you know, same thing the Cowboys thought. You know, what right. are you going to do with us? And the, the reality is he's been hurt so much that he ain't been able to do nothing. That's very true. But there we go. We both have the Cowboys winning big wins. This should be a very good opportunity for Dallas to get back on track in that noon kickoff coming up on Sunday. And then they will, of course, make their way to Washington to home. They'll be at home for Washington next week. And the, did you see this? They did flex the game against Arizona, but not into the Sunday night spot. They flexed it into the 325 afternoon spot that following week because it was originally a noon kick. All right, that's good. I prefer 3 as opposed to 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, I do too. And I kind of wondered, there was some thought that they might flex the Cowboys out of that one game against Washington on Sunday night and then flex the Cardinals, but they decided not to. And I guess they just didn't want to do back-to-back Cowboys games on Sunday night. I don't know. but that's yeah, they, might, they might not have wanted to do that. That's the status right there. All right, before we take this trip around the block, let's tell you about a couple of our fantastic sponsors. You guys know them well. I'm sure you've been snacking on it. Makes a wonderful Christmas gift. Bruce Biltong, B-R-U-S, 
B-I-L-T-O-N-G. What is biltong? As we've been telling you, it's like beef jerky. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat. Zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients. They have multiple sizes. You can get the snack baggers for yourself. You can get the larger bags for to share. However you want to do it, I'm telling you, Jacques and I have told you guys for the last few weeks now, biltong is incredible. It's better than beef jerky. It's more savory. It's more tender. The flavor is fantastic. Put it in your mouth and eat it. Too, you know. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I love the uh, the sliced biltong. I mean, it's fabulous, man. You just reach in there. Now, for me, I get full pretty quickly. I do two or three handfuls with some sparkling water, and I'm good for like an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, for me, it's really filling. But the best thing, man, as y'all know, I'm a dude that likes to work out. I'm a dude that likes to watch his weight. And so for me, man, it's about it's low-cal, high-protein, no sugar, no carbs. That's perfect for your boy. Make it happen. It's bruisebiltong.com. Remember, it's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com. That's where you go. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order. Make it happen. Again, Christmas is next week. Put in your order. Share it with everybody. I think that you would highly enjoy Bruise Biltong. Also, of course, Blue Star Motor Group at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Have you called Deb yet? 817-881-4066. A lot of people this time of the year, they are either looking for a car for the end of the year or you start looking for a car at the, at the beginning of the year saying, okay, I'm going to target spring. I know I need to get one. Start the process. If that is you, and you know that you are going to be in the process of looking for a vehicle next year, they specialize in superior quality. They're all Carfax certified. They're pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. You need to start the process with Deb at Blue Star Motor Group. And what I love about Deb, she's a deal maker, man. doesn't matter if she's buying a car, selling a car. She's a deal maker extraordinaire. And the other thing I love about it is at the end of that deal, whether it's buying or selling, when you shake hands, you sign the contracts, all that fun stuff, everybody feels good. It's a win, 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 win situation. And that's why their business thrives because the repeat business they get is off the chain. It's fantastic. It's Deb and her husband, Mike. It's a local family-owned establishment, and they are going to help you out. They will find you that great deal that you're looking for. Check out their entire inventory, their pricing. All of that is on the website at bluestarmotorgroup.com or give Deb a call. You owe it to yourself to start there first. 817-881-4066, 817-881-4066, it's Blue Star Motor Group. All right, so we take this trip around the block and have a little fun with some things that are going on. And and again, I'd mentioned, I think it was on our last podcast. Yeah, it was. I, I talked about how it was the anniversary of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right, right, right. Well, in 1989, a movie came out and yesterday, December 15th, was the 32nd anniversary of the movie called The Wizard. And I don't know if you ever saw this, but The Wizard was Fred Savage, and it was the North American debut of Super Mario Brothers 3. And Nintendo, this was basically a movie that had a lot of Nintendo product placement. The Power Glove was in it, some of their video games like Rad Racer and Ninja Gaiden and some others as well. But I remember being 10 years old at the time, watching this in the theaters, and they this was the first time that anybody, because people forget, like back in that time, we didn't have internet. It had already come out in Japan, but there was no way for us over here to know that. You know, it's not like you could just jump on the internet and see it. Oh, hey, and Twitter, look at this game that's going to be here in a couple of months. 
Right, right. So our first exposure to it was at the end of this movie. And the movie is about this kid who runs away from home because he's like he has PTSD because his twin sister drowns. And he, he, he wants to go to this dinosaur park in California where he had like a memory of his sister. So his brother is played by Fred Savage and they run off and they realize along the way that he's a video game like savant. Like he's oh, okay. destroying people in these video games. So they right. enter him into this contest and the championship is, is out in California and they go through this and he makes the final round. And for the final round, the curtain comes up at this thing in the movie and it's Super Mario Brothers 3. And I remember all the little kids in the theater like, ah, what? And it was crazy because when Nintendo first came out right. in the mid 80s, like 1986, maybe it's 85, but I think I first ran into it like around 86 or 87. Man, like I know that you probably were like more Atari originally, but when I mean, Nintendo to me changed the game. Like I blame Nintendo for where we are now. And, and, and to be fair, if that stuff had never come around, somebody else would have made the jump. Like somebody would have done 8-bit the way Nintendo did and made it as playable as they did. But Nintendo's the one that did it. Well, you know, what's interesting about that. My first wife bought me a Nintendo game system for Christmas when we were dating. Uh, obviously, we were dating seriously at that point. Mm -hmm. But it was the best and worst thing she ever did. Because that game was so much fun. I used to play bases loaded baseball like a crack. Oh, game. yes. I mean, I would literally be like, uh, class is not that important today. Uh, I, I, need to, <laughs> I need to play this doubleheader. And I would literally be in my room in the dark in my apartment playing baseball. And uh, she'd get home because she was a couple years older than me. She'd get home from work. She And she'd come over and she'd be like, mm -hmm. hey, what'd you, what, you know, did you go to class? You, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, classes were great. And I'd been in there, you know, like a crackhead, man. Windows drawn, playing bases loaded baseball working on my backdoor slider golly man I, base is loaded you know original nintendo and i still have like a, a little mini nes but original nintendo i think i might have told you this before there is a kid in our neighborhood i lived in plano at the time over there off of spring creek and independence back in that area like in between independence and coit and man there is a kid in our neighborhood that had a nintendo before everybody else and everybody would go to his house. Like, we'd ride our bikes over there after we got out of school and sit and just watch him play. And he wouldn't let anybody else play. But then sometimes he'd get bored or he'd want to go to the bathroom and whoever was sitting next to him, he'd be like, hey, do you want to play? And we'd all be like, oh, my God, yes. That is so sad. Man. I know it is. You guys are waiting for this little nerd turd. I know, man, okay. but... It, it, we you wanted take a like, body break so you could play. But at that point, it was like, my God, just watching him play Super Mario Brothers, like the original one. Because I don't know if you remember, or maybe this is one that she got you. You know, when you got the console, originally it came with the hybrid game. It was Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers were on the same cartridge. That's the one that I got, and that's the one that he had. So we would all sit there, and, you know, you'd stand as close as you could to the TV screen trying to shoot those damn ducks. It was incredible. <laughs> That was the good old days, bro. That was the good old days. And it, you know, it's funny because now everybody plays video games and everybody is so used to the way that it was. But I didn't get in a video game system in our house until we moved to Mississippi because my parents, that was like, oh, well, we feel bad we're moving to Mississippi. So here's a video game. Here's Nintendo. So I didn't get Nintendo probably that. I guess that would have been 1987 when I got it. And it was just one of those things like, you know, there was always a limit. 
you can, I think it was like, we each could play for 30 minutes at a time or something like, or over a day, maybe on the weekends, they'd let us play for an hour. But you know, people forget now video, you can make a living, you can make a ton of money. There's video game classes and designing degrees that you can get. Well, back yep. in the late eighties, they were like, okay, we'll let you waste your time and waste a part of your life for a half hour a day. But come on, you can't ever do anything with video games. I used to tell people, you know, you, what you got to do is follow your passion, man. If you're into video games and electronics and gaming and all that stuff, man, you can make a ton of loot. I know. And now, now, if you're into playing them and you want to play at the highest level, you can make a ton of loot doing that too. Or you can make enough loot to, to take care of yourself and your family if you want to, if you're one of those people who's really good at playing Call of Duty or NBA 2K, you join a league. Dude. Um, so, you know. Uh, I've always believed in that, you know, even when other people didn't, especially fuddy-duddy old people, which I refuse to ever become one. Uh, and so I've always been in, into that, like, you know, if it's a passion of yours and you're good at it, every, you know, I used to tell people who's, you know, like our friend, Clarence e. Hill Jr., I can't believe y'all wasted all that time playing video games, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. What's up, what's up with that? Dog. And I, I used to tell him all the time, I said, dude, this is like a billion dollar industry. You think kids are spending billions? No, man, it's adults who are doing it. it ain't no, and it's just people's hobby, man. No different if they go play pool or, you know, people who spend uh, 10 hours a week playing golf. People spend 10 hours a week playing video games, man. They really do. And, and it's wild now because like you're talking about, you know, that's something that blows my mind, but it's only going to get worse. I mean, there are professional video game teams. There are professional video gaming leagues and those guys make a living literally play. I mean, hell, they're, they're, it's in Grand Prairie, one of the nicest esports arenas in the country. And everybody that plays is like in their early 20s or late teens and they're making a chunk of change. Dude, that's what I'm telling you. The money's out there. You just got to go get it. And if you got to get it playing video games, more power to you, brother, because you're doing something that you love. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that my brother Chris was an elite level video game player. Like if that, if this had existed when we were in high school, like if we were in high school now, Chris would probably be making money. I, I guarantee you, he would playing video games because he was that good. Like he, he used to be ranked in the world in Halo, and he would play with this. I forget what right? the. Yeah, I forget what they called him, like a clan or something, where he would go online and they would play together. And his little group that he was with was was a world ranked Halo group. I mean, he wow. was like, it was Who insane. Knew? I'll never forget this. Did you ever play Goldeneye on N sixty four? Nah, if it wasn't a sports game, I didn't really. All right, play. well, Goldeneye, you know, was all the rage for a while. And I remember I, when I first went to college at the dorms, that was about the time everybody's playing Goldeneye. We used to play it for hours in the dorms. You know, and there'd be somebody who's the best in the dorm, whatever, and whip your ass. And I always would say, wait till my brother comes to visit. Just wait. You wait. And they're like, whatever. Chris comes to visit. Sure enough, he's like, okay. And immediately, everybody wants to play him in Goldeneye because I talked him up. He smoked everybody. They were like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, I told you. Like, it's ridiculous. His ability on these shooting games to shoot and just hit you from wherever he happens to be is... I can't play with them. Like, I get annoyed playing Call of Duty because I have no prayer. Like, I, it's impossible for me to beat him. Well, so, you know, a lot of that is a hand-eye coordination gift. You know, it's, it's, it's something. Why, it's why some people can hit a baseball going 100 miles an hour spinning. Yeah. Uh, the hand-eye is just insane. And so a lot of that is hand-eye. It's something, man. With it. Yeah, but he, I mean, he would smoke me. And that's the thing is, you know, we've talked about video games a few times, either on the radio or the podcast, and I don't really have a ton of time. And, and now a lot of the times when I do have free time, you know, I, I played some NBA 2K 
but I haven't gotten to play that in probably a couple of weeks. And, you know, there's just all these video games and the problem with them now, you know, when you're going up, like you play those Nintendo games, they were really now looking back, they're so simple. And now these games are so vast. They, they're so realistic in some cases. It can take forever to master them. You know, the original Nintendo controller, you had two buttons, A, B, <laughs> and a little control pad. On, uh, now these, these PS controllers, you've got what? There's four buttons on the top, so that's four. You have the, the four on the pad. You have the L3, the R3. You have the ability to move in different ways. I mean, you're talking about depending on what 12 buttons and combo you want to use and all these people that you play, these kids that memorize this shit, and then you're trying to go up against them. You're like, dude, I'm, I don't have time for this. I just want to hit a button and watch your head explode. That's what happened to me, man. Um, I remember uh, me and my friends, you know, including guys like Calvin Watkins and some other people uh, you wouldn't know, but uh, Big Joe and the Big Rig, we'd wait for yeah. those games to come out, man, and we'd have them all baseball basketball hockey all of them until what you said happened they all became too hard to play <laughs> so we, <laughs> we're like we got to settle on one man because I, I, I it takes too long to learn them all and get good at them and so i just picked one and uh it made it happen after that yeah that's kind of how i was but it's like you're talking about with original bases loaded it was just so easy it was just so much easier to play those games you didn't have to put a lot into them now and that's that's part of the reason why now when you're really good, there is something to it because you have to spend a lot of time getting to that point. You, it, there is no luck anymore in video games. It's a skill that people learn just like anything else where they become a champion of the clause and, or, or of the cause, and there it is. You've got this group that you play with, whatever you want to call it, and you're dominant. Oh, no, it's, it's, definitely, a, it's definitely a skill. And, um, you know, I only have so much time, and I haven't played in a long time now. Uh, I've had more work to do mm-hmm. and more projects to do, and so I probably have not played uh, my FIFA soccer game, which is my current favorite. Dude, I probably have not played since uh, June or July. Man. Man. I mean, that's six months. Dude. That's six months, dude. That's I mean, we got to get you playing some video games. <laughs> But it's hard. I mean, sometimes, and nowadays, when I have free time, I don't necessarily want to play a video game. You know, we watch a lot of stuff together, and I'll watch a movie or something like that. I don't necessarily, you know, if I was at home alone more, I probably might stop down and play a video game. But when I'm hanging out with the lady, we like to watch shows together because we like a lot of the same things. I don't necessarily want to be playing a video game with her just sitting right there. True that. And, um, you know, you can play them early in the morning, and you can play them late at night, but... um you know, it's hard to fit it in unless mm. it's, you know, it's just part of what you do. And now, you know, I, I work out in the morning and it's just not a lot of time to do it. Now, I enjoy it, but there's just not a lot of time to do it. Yeah, man. And that all came from a conversation that started with the release of The Wizard. One of two <laughs> movies, by the way, from the 80s to feature the song Send Me an Angel from the band Real Life. The other one was the movie Rad, that BMX bike movie that came out in the mid 80s. But yeah, the wizard. I, I Maddox watched that with me maybe a year ago, and it, it's it's it can be a little slow in parts, but you know it still held up. And I thought he he thought it was cool that that's the video games that I played. I was like, dude, like, like see that see that power glove and that kit. We used to love that. He's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's that's how it was for me. But we gotta you know something that I just thought of at some point because we're getting close to the end of the year, as many of you know. And I seriously doubt we're going to be doing a podcast on Christmas weekend. Let me tell y'all right now, we ain't doing one on Christmas weekend. <laughs> okay. Not so even after the game? 
uh, okay, we might do it if the Cowboys win. Because I was thinking, like, December 23rd, I will probably take off because Christmas Eve is a Friday. We're not going to have, like, one week from when many of you are listening to this, we're not going to have a podcast that Friday. Right, right, right. Christmas Eve, you guys are going to be out with family and doing stuff. You know, maybe after the Cowboys game, the day after Christmas, we'll pick it back up. Yeah, we, yeah, we could do that. But I was thinking because right now we've only got like five more episodes this year. And one of these episodes, I've been talking about this and, and we're going to do it. I just need to make a note. I will, we will, I'm going to go through my list of books this year with all you guys. Because I, I just finished my 33rd book of the year. Jeez. Yeah, like so loser, and I've done like twelve. I don't know how to put them in order, and and there's some that I liked, and, and most of the ones that I've read, I enjoyed for the most part. But there's a couple that I, you know I had to push through a little bit that weren't really on par. But we're wrapping up towards the end of the year. There's less than two weeks to go till the end of the year here. Well, I guess right at two weeks, but you know, just keep that in mind. Jacques and I have families, and and that we enjoy doing stuff with as well. So. <laughs> We're actually headed out of town next week. I am headed to Arkansas on December 22nd. And then we'll be in Arkansas the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, driving to Dallas on the 25th, be in Dallas for a bit. And then, yeah, because we have a lot of moving parts, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to make it happen. Who knows? I'd get done. So I hope everybody just, just be aware. We're giving you plenty of notice. Christmas Eve, there will not be a podcast. Do something with your family instead. And if you don't have a family, I I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I apologize. (laughs) All right. He joins us every week here on the podcast, and he's with us now. As always, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. You read his work. You know him well. Longtime Cowboys reporter with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr. Chill, Washington. Cowboys up big, and then they try to give it away in the second half. What do we take away from this Cowboys team right now with four games left in the regular season? Well, they better get it right. You know, or you know, this may be the biggest collapse we've ever seen from a team that that uh, we thought and they thought had legitimate Super Bowl hopes and, and you know, they could be one and done in, in the playoffs. And I don't think anybody, you know, at least saw that coming. Perfect. A lot of people thought that the team, you know, you know, had something special, something different this year and they're not showing it, but I would I would venture to say this that we also have to reimagine our thoughts on the Cowboys because when we initially talked about the Cowboys and, and success in the playoffs was based on a high flying offense and an average defense. Yes. You know maybe we need to think about that this defense can be pretty special. It's been pretty played pretty well of late and it can only get better and you know it needs an, an average and functional offense to sustain it and, and to still realize their success because, you know, with this thing on defense, is not a mirage. You know, they have playmakers. You know, and what you start getting to Washington, Brandon Gregory and, and DeMarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons, they, they got real dogs that we haven't seen since the night on defense. And, and, and that's when they last won a championship. Well, you know, I think that's why I've, I mean, I wrote a column this week. Uh, in the Dallas Morning News saying just that, that I thought it was wild that they got a championship-caliber defense now and can can the offense step up the pace. But I said it just like you said it. They got playmakers at every level. And the thing about playmakers is it doesn't matter how the game is going. They can change it in an instant, just like they did last week with the Gregory interception that set up 11-0. The Michael Parsons forced fumble, and all of a sudden it's 18-0. And then when the game gets tight, um, you know, you get another Gregory sack. And uh, force fumble, and the game is over. 
Yeah, I mean that's just it. They they that that defense comes up with plays and it comes in waves and some different guys. And again, Gregor was was playing on a snap count last week. He was only playing on passive downs because you know he had missed four games with the calf strain, so he wasn't full throttle Gregor. You know, and, and and so you know you got to you know now you get Neville Gallimore wasn't full throttle Neville Gallimore. He came up with a big fourth quarter sack in his first game back and 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 that's thing we talked to Neville today and he talked about. You know, want to get back there and want to make play, want to join the party. I mean, they're competing with each other to see who makes play. That's the fun part. That's the exciting part. And the leader of the pack, the lead dog, remains Michael Parsons, who is, is you know, he don't want to be compared to LT, but he's so LT-like in his manner, in his in his attitude, in his focus, in his thirst for greatness. He has a burning desire for greatness. He wants to be great. He don't want to be LT. But he want to be great, you know, in, in his own right. And, and, and we, you know, there's this talk about whether well, he's even the player of the year, rookie of the year. That's going to come one way or another. But he wants to be a great player. He's doing, he wants to make, uh, show out and show up every game. He wants to make every play. And I tell you this weekend, he has an opportunity in New York, in Gotham City, where LC, you know, made his fame to really make a push with candidates for defensive player of the year because he's already got rookie of the year. You know, he, he, he's going to be on a big stage for the New York media. Look for him to show up and show out. What do you make of the quarterback? I thought it was good that the quarterback said, you know what, I ain't been playing good because a lot of times guys in that position, oh, I don't, you know what I mean, they just downplay it all. But I like that because he kind of owned the fact he hadn't been playing his best football. Now, now that you owned it, what you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing about Dak, and you know, I talked to Jerry Jones. You know, I got you know, I, I did that old old dog trick yesterday at the owners meeting. Everybody else was trying to get Jerry in in uh in in the front lobby. I went to the back parking lot, got Jerry by his car, you know, with, with the driver. You know, and I got to you know, only you know, start telling him how Jerry talking about that. Yeah, don't hurt, don't, and, don't hurt don't hurt and, yourself and, patting yourself on the back. It's a mighty poor dog wag his own tail. Mighty poor dog wag his own tail. But, you know, Jerry talks about that the thing that the greatest asset of that is his competitive inspired and leadership and his ability to overcome shortcomings, to rebound, to really focus and hone in when, when, when things are going bad. And, and that's what they hope from, from, from that now. I mean, you, you look at it, you know, he started good in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. It wasn't going well, and Dak rebounded again in, in 2019 and 2020 and, and, and earned this money. And they don't see a situation where you call him in a slump, but they don't see the situation where Dak is in decline. They just think that, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't going well with the offense. Uh, the offense line is awful. They have not played well. Look for Connor McWilliams uh, to replace McConnell Govern back to left guard this week. Because that has not worked out since they made that change. The receivers are, are, you know, again, not catching the ball, not running the right routes. And we can kick Dak Butler about that interception he had at the end of the Washington game. But that's also some of Schultz's ball. Schultz should have kept going. He should not have stopped. You know, Schultz, you know, should not have sat down and stopped. He should have kept going to the sideline. But Dak should have saw the linebacker as well. So there are a lot of other things that are factoring in Dak's play and why he hasn't played well. And Dak, you know, as a man, as a leader, is taking ownership. Jerry Jones, they're very confident that Dak will overcome, will battle back. He, he, he told me that Dak is – he compared Dak to Tom Brady and Superman 
in, in, in the same conversation, you know, his ability to overcome like Tom Brady, but there's also ability that, that he can uplift his team like Superman. But sometimes, you know, he may have to take a little longer to, 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 to run with to, to get off the ground. And, and, and that's what he's doing, but they think he can do it. When you look at all the things that you just said, the offensive line and, and Dak struggles and all that, I mean, what? how do you fix this? Because the offensive line is kind of what it is at this point. Zeke is banged up. They've had some injuries. What's the solution to try to get this thing back to what we saw earlier in the year? Well, I think that the biggest problem is the running game. I mean, when, when they were going good, and as well as Dak was playing, they also had the number one rushing offensive league, and Zeke was healthy and they were to cut and powerful and doing all of them things. Well, you're not going to see that. Tony Pollard is is hurt. If he plays this week, he didn't play last week. I think they should rest him again this week because you need Tony. You don't need a half a Tony Pollard. You need him. He needs to be healthy to be to be his most effective as far as a quick, fast running back. Uh, Zeke won't be healthy before the end of the season. He said, you know, he's playing with a leg brace or knee brace, and, and he said he's getting some of his power back. But but if you've seen the last couple of weeks, he looks nothing like like the back that can force his will as he was under the season. So it's going to be a combat of this passing game. Dak Preston, the pass game, using CD Lamb as a running back, using the short pass game, the hit passes, different things that they did, you know, against Tampa Bay early in the season. Finding Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, those guys have to be difference makers. And and, and Dak has to make plays and see those guys and make plays down the field. The teams are definitely playing them different. They're making them hold the ball and throw the ball underneath, and they have to be more precise in catching the ball and making plays after the catch. What do you expect against the Giants? I mean, this Giants is, you know, with, with COVID, with their issues, without their quarterback. I mean, it, it's almost like Washington last week, and it's just a shame that this Washington game was so close. But th- there's no way they should lose this game. And then in the Giants, you know, you know, they, they got all their COVID issues, and, and they were also 4-9. I mean, there's, there's no way they should lose this game. But, but beating the Giants does not mean that they're back. They're like beating Washington don't mean that they're back and beating a bad uh, New Orleans team with when, when, when a quarterback that, that should be the third string throws four interceptions does not mean they're back. They won. They're going to get the job done. I think they're going to get the job done. They're going to, you know, be the NFC uh, division winners, you know, but are they playing as well as Tampa and Green Bay and Arizona and the Rams? You know, are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender? They have to show it on the field. They have to be to get back to that level, to live out those football dreams that they openly talked about at the beginning of the season. You're supposed to beat the Giants. You're supposed to beat Washington. That doesn't really carry a lot of weight, but you have to try and find a way to get yourself right and get some of that momentum before you meet Arizona in a couple of weeks. Right. Right. You got to get some momentum and confidence there. You know, they're all talking about their confidence, but it's false confidence. It's like Mike McCarthy declaring a win was false confidence. You know, they're trying to, you know, give themselves the impetus. I'm talking to Mari and we you got the guys to do it, but you haven't shown it. And when you, you know, you know, you know, Bill Parcells just always say confidence is based on demonstrated ability. You know, you demonstrated early in the season, but you haven't of late, and you can, that can cause you to lose confidence. And you're watching that play and, and with the offensive line and the receivers, there's some trust has been lost. They're not playing with confidence on offense, and so you need to build that back up. And hopefully, you know, playing against the Giants, Get some layups, like you know, you get basketball player. When when your three part shot ain't falling, you go back in and, and and you get some layups, and you start you know moving back out. Or or if you're a golfer, you know you 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 and you're not hitting well, you start on the ladies' tees and you move back out. 
you know, uh, to the men's seat. You know, use the Giants as a ladies' seat this week. <laughs> okay. That's a good way of putting it. Use the Giants as the ladies' tee. <laughs> wow. I like it. But, I mean, it's true, though, because that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, again, you this isn't going to impress anybody. I mean, a win is a win in the NFL, sure, but you should smoke this team, crush them, and beat them like you did the first time, 44-20. to 20. Yeah, you should. But you're, you're not the same team that you were the first time. I mean, I think that people that think that they had their best offensive season against the Giants back then and think it's going to automatically happen again. Do, do the Cowboys look like they're playing that well? Does Zeke in the offensive line? In that running game with, with Zeke and Tony Pollard looks like the same people that they were during that first game? No. So, I mean, I, I think it's naive to think that they're just going to go and do the same thing. But they do need to show improvement and, and start building some of their confidence again. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's a uh, – the, the league is – the season is always about how can you handle attrition, and this is no different. And how they handle it will determine what they do in the playoffs, just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, because they keep talking about it. Everybody's going through this. Everybody's doing this. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't see Green Bay going through this. You know, I don't see Aaron Rodgers going through this. I don't see them having these downturns on on, on offense when when they got the guys. And the Green Bay played last week without probably, I mean, with probably four backups on the offensive line. Yeah, it, it it does feel that way. I mean, this is one of those things where. Uh, again, they're going to win the division. We we kind of already know that. And then you're going to have a home playoff game. And it it feels, unless they show us something different here in these next four games, it, it kind of feels like right now this team is going to cap out in the divisional round again. Right. And, and, and you certainly don't want that. And we keep talking about that and, and the running game and, 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 and the receivers and offensive line. The play call is in the slump, too. This is, this is something he's worked to. He's going to have to find his rhythm again, too, because – you know, as well as he had it going early, and we were kind of talking to him the next coach. You know, he, he, he's also in favor to be a coach. You know, he has had a bad couple of weeks. Clarence Hill putting a fire under everybody's ass today. All right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, hey, man, though. Gotta, I mean, it's true. You got to keep it real and tell the truth. I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I've been talking to people, and everybody's talking about, Keller Moore be the perfect guy in Jacksonville. You know, at opening, you know, there's champions. You know, they may want to interview, start interviewing Keller Moore next week. But what? He got to prove he can fix this issue here. Before he jumps to the front of the line as, as the next coach, somebody wants to interview him. And that was cool and fine and that, and we, we loved it and sounded good early in the season. But right now, you know, this, you know, this is some of his work. It's Bill Parsons. This is this is some of his work too. Yeah, I mean that, that that's it's fair. I mean this whole offense is just off, and it has been for six weeks, and it, it's amazing because. I was saying last week that it's more exciting when the defense is on the field now than when the offense is on the field, and I didn't think we'd ever say that about this version of the Cowboys. Yeah, that's the crazy part because, yeah, a lot of people remarked, I can't wait, you know, yet it gets frustrated in the Cowboys' offense is going through and out, but, man, I can't wait to see what the defense is going to do when they come to the field. Who's going to make a play? You know, and the funny thing about it is Washington, as well as they play, they dropped by four picks. Yeah. You know, Anthony Brown dropped two, Micah dropped one. You know, uh, safety drive one. I mean, they, 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 there were other plays to be made out there. there. There was also some arrogance out there, too, and that's kind of why that game got away from them. I don't know if you've seen the Cowboys. They do a sound from the sideline, you know, during the game, and, and, and they put out a, a sound from the sideline this week. And in the middle of the game, Steve Lamb and Michael Parsons are arguing about who is passing. <laughs> <laughs> well... 
What in the middle of the game, not before the comeback. You know, like they just thought this thing was in the bag, and you could tell it was Mike McCarthy bit the seat to give him some rest. And, you know, and, 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 and so I think they took the pedal off the to a certain extent, to, you know, and, and eased up. And that's also part of the reason why it's hard to turn it on and turn it off. And, and, and they, they turned it off and, and then had to kind of jump start themselves, good thing to deep in space again. But, you know, that, that was part of what happened in that game because they thought it was over before it was over. Well, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I guess so. But now they'll have to figure out that that's the thing is put this Giants game away. They should beat Washington again. And then at 11 and four against Arizona, we'll, we'll see what that game means, what kind of weight that carries. But that that's what they should do. We'll see if they can do that or not. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they got to do that. You got to put this game away, put, put the game in Giants, you know, continue to put people on, on, on the COVID list. And again, there's no excuse to, to not get it done this that's true. All right. Clarence Hill Jr., as always, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, I, I appreciate the time, and, and Dr. Taylor, enjoy Atlanta. You know, I, I want to see if you're going to go to uh, – I'm that not going to get no wings. Magic City? Yeah, I'm you're not, not going, going to get no wings. wings. I mean, you're going to call I mean, Lynn Pepper I mean, Lou? You sure? <laughs> you're not going yeah. to get no wings. No, no, you're no. Some Pepper Lou wings. No nah, man, that, All right. that kind of that kind of entertainment is not for your boy anymore. It's not for you anymore. Okay, so you don't you don't you don't like the entertainment. You don't like wings anymore. Ain't it time for you to go? Oh, we're gonna talk about that time we was at a strip club together. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna tell this story. We was at a strip club together sometime, covering the Falcons <laughs> and the Cowboys, and this is one of my funniest moments. Clarence is trying to holler at the at the waitress, and he's single. He can holler at her. And she gets all offended. Do I look like a stripper to you? I mean, you're working in a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> well, did it, it work? Of, it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. That's why I remember. That was at least like, it could have been 15 years ago, but I, I always remember that. That might have been the last time well, I've been in one of those establishments. Uh-huh, sure. 15 now, years that ago. Our, that, that was in our younger days when we tried to tear it up a little bit on the road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nothing wrong with that. But nah, not about my brother. All right, I will. All right, All right Joe. Guys. We'll see you. All right, there he is. Clarence Hill Jr., the the original atomic dog himself. <laughs> well, I mean, how did it go? Did he end up getting a number? Did he take her home? I mean Oh no, she was insisting. She was she was Wow, really? That's why it was so funny. Yeah, see, that actually makes a lot more sense than actually trying to pick up the stripper because the stripper gives you a fake name and, and makes up a story. Right. You know, no, I, I've never thought anything like that. I used to, I mean, assuming that I have been to establishments of this nature before. Right. We would go and I would just create a character to be. That sounds just like you. Yeah, like I would, I would, and oh my God, I forgot about this. So one time we were at a place and I go in and I'm talking in my Russian voice. And I'm like, yes, I'm not from country. I come here, very beautiful women. And this girl talks right back at me in, in like that type of accent. I'm like, oh, my God. And she's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, no, I have no idea. I'm from Moscow. You know, it was so bizarre. And then I, I always wondered if she just started talking like that because she could do the accent or if she was legit Russian. I, I didn't find out. I mean, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, only time will tell. And let's tell you, I mean, I'm sure our, our sponsors can't wait to be backdoored on this one. But, hey, it is what it is, man. We appreciate you guys. False Idol Brewing.
Have you been to False Idol? If you haven't, their new beers come out every Friday, which means, guess what? Most of you are listening to this on Friday, December 17th. It is New Beer Day at False Idol, just in time for Christmas. You need to get over there. How about the Mind Flayer Imperial Stout with hazelnut and almond? They are also releasing this on Friday. The Oogie Boogie Nightmare Barrel-Aged Peanut Butter Cookie Imperial Stout aged in wild turkey barrels for 14 months. OMG. A peanut butter cookie imperial stout aged in wild turkey barrels? Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. God, I bet that's incredible. I mean, it's from Foss Idol. Of course, it's going to be incredible. That's going to be incredible. I've got to, okay. I mean, I'm going to be swinging by when I'm in town. They already know. They've, they've put some stuff aside. I was like, man... I will be there. I've got to have this. I love False Idol. It's one of my favorite breweries of all time. You got to swing by, man. They are killing it. If you love stouts, they they have some of the best stouts you'll ever have. If you love hazy IPAs, there's nobody in Dallas doing it better. Hell, they won earlier this year in 2021. They won Haze Wars. They won first place at the Haze Wars competition that several breweries competed in, and False Idol was voted the best hazy IPA in Texas or in the, of Dude. the breweries that competed. And just think, I'm such a stout guy, very rarely dabble in the hazy IPA. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. Their Berliner Weiss beers are very, very good. If you like a little bit of that tartness, you just cannot go wrong. It's in North Richland Hills, just north of 183. It's local. It's family owned. It's fantastic. Fantastic. That's one of those breweries. I'll probably bring home a couple of cases of false idol beers when I come back to Alabama, whenever I go out for Christmas. Like a couple of cases. I'm not kidding because I need to share it with people here because it's that good. People need to have it. Also, of course, did you wake up and did you have the unfortunate circumstance? Maybe you rolled over and you're like, hey, is that a crack on my wall? My God, the floor is sloping. What is happening? Before it gets that extravagant, maybe you just are noticing some things. Sticking doors, signs that you could have a foundation problem. You need to call HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his guys will come out and they'll get you taken care of. This is one of those things you need to act immediately. If you think you might have a problem, if you notice any of those signs, I mean, seriously, slope floors is a sign, cracks in the ceilings and stuff like that. If you start to notice those a little bit, you need to pick up the phone and schedule your free, no obligation inspection, and you do it now. Give them a call, 817-770-0174. Your foundation is something, the earlier you catch it, I'm telling you, you are way better off in the long run. Dude, I believe that, man. And, you know, that's why we call it a colonoscopy for your house, man. You get it checked over by Aaron. doesn't cost you a thing just for an evaluation. If there's no problems, it's all good, baby. And if there's a problem, chances are you caught it early, and it's going to cost you a fraction of what it would if you caught it late. That's exactly right. It's the thing that you need to do, and he will be with you the entire step of the way. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. So he'll come out and give you the inspection, and and he may tell you, hey, thanks for calling. I see what you meant. You're good. Or he may say, good thing you called because you do have a problem, but we caught it early, and they do offer third-party financing as well, and he'll be with you, man, to talk you through it and help make sure the entire process is easy for you. 817 seven seven zero zero one seven four or online at hfxfoundation.com so we need to get into this because I, I think you heard jill just talk about hey have fun in atlanta i mentioned it earlier you are in atlanta you are there for one of the reasons why i don't think people realize this 
a lot of HBCUs will not play in the FCS playoffs, but part of it is because the Celebration Bowl that you're in Atlanta for this weekend is a huge deal, and these schools play in the Celebration Bowl. Well, the Celebration Bowl pretty much guarantees each school a million dollars. You can imagine how, how far that goes in an HBCU as opposed to, you know, if you draw Eastern Washington in the first round right. and you got to travel to wherever they're from, Spokane or wherever they are, and you got to pick up and travel your whole team up there, you lose money on the deal, especially if you don't win. And so for the, for the HBCUs, it's actually a bigger deal to be in a black college championship game than it is to go to the playoffs. And so what happens is they send their third best team to the playoffs. Yep. The one that's not in the playoff, in the uh, Celebration Bowl, that's the team that goes to the playoffs. This year it was Florida A&M, which is a really good team. Uh, but they went to the playoffs. So uh, I was down here, uh, had an adventurous trip from the airport. Uh, this is one of the few times I haven't rented a car because I was staying downtown. Oh. And I was like, if I rent a car, the place I need to go is like half a mile from here. Parking's going to be a disaster. It's easier to just Uber. Now, I haven't probably Ubered very much in the last year or two. Like the last time I was at the Super Bowl or something, maybe that was the last time I Uber. Oh, when we got in that Uber with that one dude who was like, thought yeah. we were like there for, we ran strippers or something and he took us the wrong way and all that <laughs> crap, that guy. Well, yeah. So, dude, I, I got the Uber and the first thing I did was I came out and I thought the guy said JT, but he really said Steve. <laughs> Close and enough. So I, so I got in the Uber. <laughs> and halfway, then, you know, 10 minutes into the ride, I go, are you really going to the right spot? He goes, Steve? I go, no, JT. Wrong passenger. And he turns around and goes all the way back to the airport. Really? Dude, yeah. And so then I had to get out of there, and Steve was waiting for him, and Steve hopped in, and they drove off. <laughs> and so I ordered another one, except wow. this time, Instead of telling him to come to the domestic terminal, I told him to come to the international terminal. So he shows up and he says, I'm here. I go, dude, my bad, man. I'm at the domestic terminal. He says, okay, I'll be right there. 20 minutes later, he sends me a text. Oh, I made a wrong turn. I'm on my way again. Oh, my God. So then we get in his car. I get in his car. And I'm, uh, I'm winding through. I'm going, this doesn't look like where I should be going. And I go, hey, bro. Is this 176 Peachtree Northwest? He goes, No, man, this is uh, Peachtree Court. I go, No, nah, man, wow. it's supposed to be Peachtree Northwest. He taps it in. He goes, Oh, yeah, that's right by my house. I go, Well, how far away is it, dog? He says, Oh, about 35 minutes. Oh, my God. So finally, I got to the hotel, man, but this whole adventure took like two hours. And so I had to write a story yesterday. That appeared on uh, in uh, on ESPN.com today, as well as the Undefeated. It's about how Dion lassoed this number one yeah. pick and what and the whole impact that he's having on on HBCU football. And so, dude, by the time I got to the hotel, it was time for me to grind. And then I'll tell you what happened. So, I grind on the story for about two hours because I had half of it written. I sent it into the editor, and then they go, "Hey, there's an event." And uh, we're trying to get a quote from Dion. So I'm not name dropping. Y'all know I'm the Dion Whisperer. Yeah. So I sent him a text. I'm like, yo, um, you got time to talk today? He said, I'm book solid. I said, what about tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock? I was half serious and half joking. He goes, I'm doing Keyshawn at 6 o'clock tomorrow. I'm like, dog, you really were booked. I said, I'm going to head over to this event at the World of Coke. Maybe I'll see you over there. Now, this is what I love about my life now. 
So I took an Uber over there. This time there was no problems with the Uber. I was trying to, and there was a band there, local high school band, and I was trying to figure out how to get into the world of Coke. So I asked this police officer. He gave me directions. And on the way back to go where he told me to go, Jackson State's buses had just showed up. And so as they're getting off the buses, I, one of the coaches bumped into me. He said, dude, we got a story for you that we, uh, we're going to hook you up. And uh, we want you to take care of it because we trust you to take care of it. I said, all right. So he's telling me about this story. And, he go, and I go, well, let me just walk in here with you. He goes, okay, yeah, yeah, come on with me. So I'm walking into team interest with the Jackson State players in the team. Nice. Last night. And then what happened is they were going straight into a team meeting. So I'm in a team meeting. <laughs> Up against the wall trying to be inconspicuous. Um, and that lasted for about 20 minutes. Then there was a team dinner. And so I just went out and I followed them out, out into, the, uh, into the place where they were eating for the team dinner. And uh, I was talking to uh, Dennis Thurman, defensive coordinator, for about 20 minutes. He was telling me all this stuff about defense and all this other stuff. And then I saw Dion was sitting at the table surrounded by security. So I gave him the look like, yo, can I come over? He's like, yeah, come over. And so I sat down and I chopped it up with him for about 30 minutes. But here's what it is when you're a reporter, man, especially when you, you've known a guy for a long time. He didn't have his I want to be interviewed look on his face. He had his if you just want to chop it up and talk, we could do that. But if you're trying to get me to have quotes and stuff, I don't feel like being bothered with that. Yeah. So I just talked to him, shot the sh I guess I could say shot the shit. Yeah, you can. Picked up a few things that I use in stories that you, you guys will see over the next few weeks. Uh, but I talked to him for about 30 minutes, and then I went and talked to some other guys. So I spent a couple of hours there doing nothing but talking to people and getting background, including on how they landed uh, Travis Hunter, the number two recruit in the country. And the biggest thing is – and I talked to three different people, and each one of them started the same way. Like, he's idolized Prime since he was a kid. Yeah. Like, he patterned his whole game after him as a player. I mean, his whole style of play is patterned after Deion Sanders. It's really the reason why he wanted to go to Florida State. And, um, you know, he also likes to hunt. He likes to fish. That's what Deion's favorite thing is fishing. And so they really connected on a lot of different levels. And then he came the week that they played Alcorn State. Had a good time on a visit. And the more Dion talked to him and his mom, the more they were like, you know, you can come here and get the same thing you get at Florida State. But you could do it here. And you could learn from you learn from the best. And then for him, it was a good decision. And I was also told, second thing out of this guy's mouth last night was after he said he had a story for him. He was like, hey, about Travis Hunter, man, he don't have no deal lined up, man. I don't know where all that's coming from. He don't have no deal. I said, really? He said, no, nah, I ain't got nothing. He might get something, but he ain't got nothing right now. I said, is this a right now, right now, wink, wink, or like really right now he ain't got nothing? He's like, really? Right now he ain't got nothing. I said, all right, cool. That's the part that I thought was really interesting because obviously being here in Birmingham now, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, I mean, Birmingham is obsessed with college football. It, it is obsessed. Right. And so the station that I work for, we do a lot of stuff on signing day where it's basically it, it's it would be similar to how like the, when we were on ESPN or on the ticket or whatever, when right. draft time's coming around for the NFL draft, you know, right. you're focusing on a lot. You're talking to people. And then the day of you really spend the bulk of your show talking about that. So my show on signing day, you know, the two hour show that I did, probably an hour and a half of it was signing day stuff. You know, here's where this kid's going and then what the impact could be and, and, and looking at the classes and what it means and all that. 
So when Travis Hunter, we started seeing it early, there's this thing coming around where he's talking to Jackson State. Now, according to 24-7, which does composite rankings, he's the number one recruit in the country. He's a full-fledged five-star, but number one, number two, who cares? Nobody, it's not just, no kid that is ranked that high ever has gone to an FCS school, ever. Because again, you can, you could call any, any program in the country and be like, hey, I want to come to you. And they'd be like, okay, cool. Like any, it doesn't matter. Any program he wanted to go to, he could have gone to. And everybody thought he was going to Florida State. So you start seeing this. And I mean, it, it was, we talked about it for probably 20 minutes. It, it, nobody, we were all, our minds were blown. And, you know, I remember some of the stuff that you've told me about Dion. And I was happy. I was like, man, thank God. Like, I have some of this information. And it's, not, it's nothing private, obviously. It's, it's just stuff about the type of person Dion is and what's important to him. And your point about how always it's never been about the money with him. And just some of the stuff about your knowledge of what his situation at Jackson State is. That we were able to talk about that and be like, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm surprised, but yet I'm not because of Deion Sanders. You know, the whole idea, like you told, I think you've told this before about how he can pick up the phone and be like, hey, you know, call Magic Johnson and be like, look, our facilities aren't up to par. Food here isn't going to work. Can you help us? Like, like let's, let's change this yeah. and, and stuff yeah, like that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look into his backstory, it would be a surprise that he went to Jackson State, but not a shock. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing is, and the reality is, man, if you could play, the NFL will find you. I mean, it's not like, you know, they found Steve McNair. They found Cooper yep. Cup. They found Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can play, they will find you. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it was a surprise because it's Jackson State, it's HBCU. But given how the world is changing, I can't call it a shock, especially for this particular kid's background, which is, he idolized Deion Sanders. Um, now, I will tell you, it's, it's amazing the racist undertones that are coming out now, uh, which to me is, is disappointing at this level. Like Pete Thamel, one of the most respected college football writers out there, guy I love to read. I talk to him every time I see him because he's, he's a genius at what he does. And he put out some tweet today, like strong thoughts that a huge NIL was involved in, in um, you know, Hunter going to – Jackson State strong thoughts I mean what the fuck is that yeah and, and you know a like, lot of people were saying that like there was a, somebody had put out a tweet see and, and like one of the guys on the station wanted to read it I was like dude I'm not reading that because one the Twitter account had like 2,000 followers I was like I like I don't have any belief well, that there's anything to this but that was the one it was from something called like investment bean or some crap right. I can't remember the name of it even if it was, even if they signed him to 1.5, so what? Texas is offering every offensive lineman who signs 50000 So what? There's no crime about if, I mean, that's what the whole NIL is all about. Right, yeah, exactly. So if he, if he did get 1.5, and he didn't, but if he did, so what? And let me tell you what this other shit is, Matt. This other stuff is white folks do this all the time. And if you think I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you. And if you don't think I'm talking about you, then I'm not talking about you. White folks do this shit all the time, man, because it happened to me all the time. Black person, black man gets a job, a good job, and they wonder, how did he get that job? What did he do? Oh, they must have needed a black guy to fill the quota. They must have needed a black. It can never be because you're just a bad 12-letter cuss word. It's always some, some reason that you got some opportunity. 
But when white folks get these opportunities, nobody ever says, oh, well, they must have just good old boy network. Oh, no, he deserved that. And people get tired of that shit year after year after year after year after year. And this guy decided to go. It's not a lot of people going. But what happens, man, is when a glass ceiling gets broken, it gets broken. Like that whole four-minute mile. Yeah. Once Jim Ryan broke it, I mean, what it get? It, it got broken like a thousand times over the next ten years, or something like that. And so, once one FC, you know, five-star HBCU player goes to HBCU school, then there'll be others. There won't be a lot of them, but there'll be others, and there'll be some four stars. And the talent level will get bigger and better. And guess what? Alabama will still beat them sixty-three to five or sixty-three to ten if they ever play. Yeah, and, and to your point, the reality of it is that. Yes, Jackson State, because of the level of the recruit, that a number one recruit going to an FCS school. But like Alabama A&M yesterday signed three four-stars. Yeah. Three. Not not like one random guy. I mean, they had three four-stars that went to Alabama A&M. And, and Jackson State had a couple of guys, that not at the number one recruit, but they had a couple of guys that were four-stars as well. You know, they put together a solid class. That's a team that went 11-1 and one last year. And like what I was talking about, I said, man, if you're this kid and Deion Sanders wants you, and you play that position and you're like, huh, I guess I could go to Jackson State and learn from probably the best guy who's ever played the position, how to play this position to the best of my ability. And is he going to get paid? I have a feeling at some point, yeah, all these kids that are at that level are going to get NILs. I don't know why you wouldn't because his brand right now is off the charts. I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up making millions at Jackson State because everybody's talking about it and is going to be fascinated to see how it goes. So it makes a lot of sense to align yourself with it. But the thing that was coming out real early yesterday was, you know, some random Twitter account that was saying that being told Barstool Sports and Penn Gaming are behind this with an NIL deal in the millions. And I was like, I've, I like literally nobody else is saying that. And somebody just took it and ran with it. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, well, here it is. Here it is. And I, I, I thought, well, I don't know if that's true or not. And the other thing is, like, to your point, who cares? Because I, guess what? The money that he'd make there spends just as well as it would in Tallahassee. Like, what's the difference? There is none. You know? So, we'll see how it goes, but it's it's fascinating just because it's never been done before. And it's pretty awesome that Dion was the one who was able to get down at an HBCU and put it on the map that way. And I mean, everybody's talking about it. You cannot buy that type of advertising. Everybody is talking about Jackson State, and that only raises the profile of it all. And I think we'll pay... There's a reason why Alabama has all these nice things now. Because Nick Saban came in and they started doing stuff and he rose the profile. You know, their enrollment at Alabama has gone up something like 15,000 students since he's been there. Because they, yeah. have, they have gobs and gobs of applications because everybody sees Alabama everywhere. This type of impact is a type of thing that can change Jackson State forever. Oh, dude, it's a big deal now. Don't think it's not. It's a huge deal. Huge. So I thought that was pretty cool, man. And I will say... Because I texted, I texted Jock today because we're going to, you know, I got to do my show again today. I said, hey, did you have any, you know, we, we were texting back and forth. And I just said, you got anything I could use on air, you know, for my show? And you threw me a little something. I was like, hell yeah, that'll be great. Because nobody had said anything like what you were saying, you know. And I thought that was interesting. Like I told the guys at the station, I was like, well, you know, Jacques's telling me this. And they're like, no way. I was like, yeah. I was like, so let's pump the brakes on, you know, what you guys think that you know exactly and that made me feel cool so thanks yes that's 
that was pretty awesome. So are you, how long are you in Atlanta for? Till uh, Sunday. Okay, so you're going to the game and the whole thing, because I saw that you got a Twitter space thing tonight. Or is that tomorrow night? No, that's, that's tomorrow. Don't make okay. me think I missed something. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, Twitter spaces is an interesting deal. Like that, that, it seems like that's starting to pick up like a lot of momentum and people are doing a lot more on that. Yeah, we'll see. I've never done it before, but, uh, you know, it's like Clubhouse. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, let me know because I saw some people talking about that and I thought maybe I should try doing something like that. I don't know. We'll see. But again, everybody wants access and everybody wants, you know, the more that you can give people. Like they're about to install a bunch of cameras in our studio at some point. And you'll be able to go and watch us. I was like, why do I? It's always blowing my mind that people want to sit and watch a radio show. But they do now. So, Bro, they want to watch everything. Yeah, well, I guess you can watch me do a lot of things then. And it all started. <laughs> what was that website from back in the day? That girl who was broadcast 24 hours a day? Jenny's Cam or whatever? Yeah, something like that. Isn't that what that was? Yep, Jennifer Ringley. God, how did I remember this? Jenny Cam. An internet personality and former life, life caster, she is re- largely regarded as being the first ever cam girl because she she was the person who this I mean this was a long ass time ago man this would have been 1996. She from her college dorm turned on a webcam and just left it on and you could watch her do everything in her dorm anything that she did in her life she just left it on. <laughs> and now look where we are today. I remember that. I remember that because that was about the age I wanted to watch a 19-year-old girl in her college dorm. <laughs> Not going to lie. All right, before we get into our conversation with Ed Werder, let's tell you about another one of our sponsors, the online women's boutique Kinley Rose. Have you been there? Have you checked out their fantastic array, a variety of stylish women's clothing? It's, uh, it's a really cool thing because... If you're like me and you're not necessarily familiar with what your lady likes, I'm going to tell you this. And if you are a lady and you're listening, you'll love their selection. If you're a dude, comes in handy, man. It is the online women's boutique, Kinley Rose, K-I-N-L-E-Y, rose.com. They focus on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. Just in time with the holiday season upon us, and don't forget... If you use the promo code JAMSESSION10 at checkout, you get 10% off your first order. And this comes in handy, too, because obviously with Christmas coming up next week, you can check out these last-minute gift ideas, stocking stuffers. You all need something, right? Gift cards. They are e-gift cards that you can order at KinleyRose.com in a variety of different increments. So you can order one of those. The details are in the description on the website. So check them out. Find something for your lady. Find a nice new outfit for date night, perhaps. I think you're going to love it at KinleyRose.com, K-I-N-L-E-Y, Rose.com. And remember, promo code JAMSESSION10 at checkout. That gets you 10% off your first order at the new, fashionable online women's boutique, KinleyRose.com. All right, we do it every week. We welcome in our ESPN NFL insider, as always, brought to you by... Medea from scratch it is the greatness of Ed Werder and Ed I know everybody's been talking about this all week out there at the star of course and yeah the Cowboys get a win the defense plays amazing and all anybody wants to know is what's wrong with Dak is Dak in a slump and and Dak himself says he's not in a slump what what do you see with Dak yeah he says he's not in a slump but that's just a matter of you know terminology I think he's conceded that he's not playing at the level you know that we all come to expect based on past performance and 
I think they take solace in the fact that this whole group was playing at an exceptionally high level, uh, you know, six weeks ago, and they did it for an extended period of time. Uh, I think I think there are a lot of issues beyond, you know, just how well Dak is, is throwing the ball, which hasn't been terrific of late. Uh, and I think it really all starts with two things, one of which is, you know, the offensive line and the fact that there's been no real stability or continuity there. As much as Mike McCarthy um, emphasizes that, here we go again this week. Now they're, it sounds like they're going to start Connor Williams back at left guard again. He's a more athletic player, but they're also doing it at a time where they don't have, uh, you know, Tyron Smith at left tackle. So basically get a new left side of your offensive line going into this game. And then, then I think the thing that really gets overlooked when you're evaluating, you know, quarterback play is early in the season when the Cowboys were playing great, leading the league in offense, you know, scoring seemingly at will. They talked about, you know, Kellen Moore's philosophy was we're going to aggressively take whatever the defense gives us. You know, that meant that they could win running the football or they could win throwing the football. And now they're not good in either phase. And to me, it all starts on first down running the football. For the first eight weeks of the season, they were the number one team in the NFL average per carry on first down. Now they've fallen to 27th in the NFL. They're one of the five worst teams running the ball on first down after being first in the league for over half the season. And to me, that's where their problems all begin because now it's second and seven, second and six. Uh, you know, opponents can figure out you're going to throw the football. They can play coverage. They can rush a four-man rush. Uh, it just gets a lot more complicated when you're running the ball on first down and not having success. So the question becomes, should you throw the ball more on first down uh, to see if you can be more efficient? Well, I mean, I guess that would be a solution if your quarterback in and of himself was playing well and, and actually not at the moment for whatever. I think there are a lot of reasons. Um, I think this is this game, this opponent comes at an opportune time because Dak, you know, I was out there today a little while ago. We were talking to him at the star and, and he said to the receivers in the backs and the skill position, hey, it's, it's time for us to get rolling. Uh, and he's not wrong about that. And, it, and partly it's the main reason he says that is because it's late in the year and they want to get that confidence that they had, you know, early earlier in the year as an offensive group heading into the playoffs. Well, they're playing, you know, the New York Football Giants, who they put up 500 yards against earlier in the year. Um, you know, they had 200 yards rushing, 300 yards passing, scored 44 points, the most uh, all season long. And my question is, will they reach any of those numbers this week? They should. I mean, the Giants pretty much know they're not going to the playoffs. They've already fired coaches. They've already basically, you know, idled their starting young quarterback for the rest of the year. So this is a game um, against which the Cowboys should expect to have great success on both sides of the ball. And if they don't get it together on offense against this team, uh, then I think they, they have issues that we can really question whether there's enough time for them to get it right. Yeah, obviously with the four games left is what you're alluding to. The flip side of that becomes this defense and the level that this defense is playing at, taking away the ball, pressuring the passer, getting sacks. What do you take away from the level of defense that we've seen recently with this Cowboys team? Yeah, it's really it's really been a remarkable one-year turnaround. You know, if, you, if you think about where this team was defensively a year ago at this time, you know, worst in franchise history, about to fire Mike Nolan after just one season. In fact, I, I asked Mike McCarthy after the game the other day in Washington to put that in, in context, and he thanked me for taking him down memory lane in a, in a sarcastic moment. 
Uh, didn't like the reference to your worst defensive franchise history occurring on his watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they made a huge investment, you know, in their defense this offseason to their credit. Um, the front office did. Will McClay did. Uh, you know, they hired Dan Quinn. That was a Mike McCarthy move, from what I understand. Uh, and then they gave him free reign, and more importantly, they got him players. I mean, they, they, they not only drafted Micah Parsons, they used their first six picks on, on defensive players for the first time in franchise history. You know, they were more active in free agency than they'd ever been before, and the majority of the players they signed were on the defensive side of the ball. And so, you know, the second-year guys like Trayvon Diggs have, you know, taken a quantum leap. Obviously, Micah Parsons, nobody expected this from him, as high as expectations that I have for a guy taking 12th overall. But I think Dan Quinn's done just a masterful job of using guys in the right way, I think, they turned what could have been a catastrophic situation, not having DeMarcus Lawrence, you know, for 10 weeks into a positive in that it kind of forced them to explore what they could do with Micah Parsons as a rookie, and he was up for all of them. Um, so I think they're in great shape defensively as long as they, you know, continue to create turnovers, and I think that should be the expectation now that they've got, uh, you know, Parsons to play with Lawrence and Gregory. I mean, Mabel Gallimore had an immediate impact. You know, he hurt. He injured, knocked the center out for the rest of the year, and hurt the quarterback. Knocked him out of the game on the way to his only sack. So I think the defense is playing exceptionally well. I just don't know at what point it became more interesting to watch the Cowboys when the defense was on the field than when the offense was on the field. Wow, Matt said that last week, man. That's because the defense <laughs> true. got playmakers. You know, it's been a long time since we've seen like big time playmakers at several different levels, which is what you need yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, there, there's no question that um, you know if you're if you're going to go and beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, you know you got to get pressure on on him. That's that's the whole game uh, is in beating Tom Brady is creating pressure. The Cowboys have the athleticism, um, and you know Dan Quinn can put together a lot of different combinations of people and situations um, to give them advantages in creating a pass rush when they have to. But there's no question they have the ability to get a pass rush and create turnovers and, and put pressure. Like, you know, they, they talk, Randy Gregory said it now twice, that, or Gregory said it today, and Micah Parsons said it the other day about Taylor Heineke. We got in his head. In the first and second quarter, we basically ruined the guy. He knew he was, he was going to get hit, and he knew he was gonna, we were coming for him and we were coming for the ball. Um, and, and they've been able to, to be dominant on that side of the ball when they, when they force turnovers. If they don't force turnovers, then I think it's a whole different thing. But we're just starting to see, we've only seen 47 snaps of these three guys, these three elite rushers together. It, sh- it should only grow from here as they get a better sense for you know what, what each of them can do um, alongside the other, the strengths and weaknesses. And, and Dan Quinn gets to play them more and more uh, time on the field in addition to what they do during the week prepping for games. Ed, you kind of alluded to this when we were talking about Dak and, and the offense and the Cowboys with this opportunity against the Giants team that, that they know their season's done. They're 4-9, and nine, as you talked about. But then again, we look at what they did against Washington. They jump out to that huge lead and almost cough it up at the end of the game. What do you expect to see against the New York Giants on the road again once this weekend comes? Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Dak's thrown more touchdown passes in his career against the Giants than any other opponent. Um, as you would expect of a division opponent. Um, but, you know, I think they've, they've invested a lot offensively in this game. Um, that being said, they have not been the same 
scoring team at home and on the road. Uh, in fact, they went into last week's game with the biggest disparity in the entire league in terms of, I think they scored 30, over 32 points a game at home and only 23 points a game on the road. And last week, you know, they really only scored 14 points on offense and the defense scored a touchdown and the defense set up the offense's only touchdown with a turnover that, you know, forced them to only move the ball 41 yards. So I think they've got to show some ability to do it on their own. And the thing that, you know, Dak talked about today is that defenses have stopped blitzing him because he was beating the blitz. And this all really started with Vic Fangio and the Broncos. Um, you know, they got physical with the receivers outside. They dropped eight or seven players into coverage and they tried to force Dak, you know, to be patient. And we've seen that he hasn't responded well yet to that tactic for the most part. Um, he, he needs to be patient. He needs to be willing to, you know, move the ball down the field incrementally and, and take what the defense gives him and, and hope that one of his receivers can create a big play with some run after the catch or they can, you know, pop a, a couple plays by Tony Pollard, who we assume will return this week. But, you know, Zeke just hasn't been a consistent player. We know he's playing hurt. I found it odd that he talked about his knee getting better, feeling stronger, less pain, going to be healthy in three or four weeks, and yet he goes out for the first time and wears a knee brace. Like, that's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? That a guy who's getting better all of a sudden wears a knee brace for the first time in his career. So I don't really know what to expect from the running game, and I don't blame it all on him because when they give him the ball, the result seems the same all the time. There's just nothing there. I don't I don't think he's missing holes. Um, maybe he's not accelerating, he's not as quick and changing direction as he was earlier in the year, but I don't see a whole lot there, to be honest with you. And I think that's one of the reasons you know, that they're putting Connor Williams back in the lineup. Yeah, that should be real interesting. I mean, we all, a lot of us want to see McGovern. It's like, well, I guess this is why they didn't start him all that time. Um, what do we think about, uh, you know, the tackle situation, the offensive line? Even against the Giants, um, you know, is it going to be enough to give Dak the time that he has confidence that he can sit back in the pocket and find those things? Yeah, the Giants haven't been a great pass rush team um, all along. And, you know, it looks like there's some question about Leonard Williams playing in the game. And he's a guy, you know, who plays both inside and outside, but makes his biggest impact inside. Uh, and I would expect that if he plays or had he played, uh, that they would have given him a lot of reps inside against, you know, Connor Williams and Tyler Biadash, the center, who's, I think, per- perceived to be something of a weakness. I just think in general, you know, this offensive line, with the possible exception of Zach Martin, really just they haven't played at the level of their reputation. Um, and, and that's a big part of the, the frustration that the Cowboys have had. And if they were playing at that level, then I think they'd be able to run the ball on first down. And I think I feel very confident they'd be able to pass protect um, against the four-man rush. And so far, neither of those things have happened. And whether they happen this week, I don't know, because, um, you know, even though um, you know, Ty- Tyrone Smith, Tyron Smith is not the player that he was five years ago, um, and he's out injured yet again, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's the dominant player he used to be either, but he's still better than what they're going to put out there on Sunday. All right, Ed, before we let you go, we have to ask, of course, outside of the Dallas Cowboys, the news today, the Urban Meyer era comes to a, I mean, crash and burn exit in Jacksonville. What was your take on that? Did you, did you originally think that that hire might work? And now 13 games later, how do you see what happened there in Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that um, I I thought it had a lot of potential. 
And to me, it was not unlike, um, at least superficially, Jim, you know, Jerry Jones hiring Jimmy Johnson as a as somebody who would never coach at the NFL level, um, inheriting you know the number one overall pick and being able to take a quarterback, a supposedly transcendent quarterback, uh, like the Cowboys took with Troy Aikman and Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I think as time over time, we saw a lot of differences in in terms of the commitment. Um, in you know the level of competitiveness that Urban Meyer was bringing to his team, that it wasn't at all uh, the workaholic, intense, win at all costs, you know, approach we saw from Jimmy Johnson, and so all of those expectations that that I had uh, failed to materialize, and I and I, I guess maybe we should have recognized, maybe I should have recognized it earlier. Uh, he just didn't like losing; didn't really seem to bother him, and he had. You know, veteran coaches, especially on the offensive side of the ball, with you know Daryl Bevel and 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 uh, Brian Schottenheimer, who have worked with successful offenses, successful quarterbacks, been in the league a long time, and for him to say what he apparently did about them, they were a bunch of losers, was just the most preposterous thing that I've ever heard. I mean, Jimmy was hard on his coaches, especially after they lost, but I don't think you know he distanced himself or separated himself from them like that. Um, and to me, you know, that was kind of the final straw for the Jaguars ownership and, and, uh, um, you know, Tony Khan and making that decision to change coaches at this point. Ed Werder as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. There he is. Ed Werder, the greatness of Ed Werder brought to you as always by Medea from scratch with their three fantastic Dallas area locations. You can find them in flower mound in grapevine in Plano. Keep them in mind. I know everybody's going to be having family coming in town over the holidays here in the next couple of weeks. Put Medea from scratch on your list to treat them because it is a treat and you will enjoy it quite a bit. And we always appreciate talking to Ed. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.